Right, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the ME7 podcast. Before we get on to the main uh, topic of discussion for today, it is, of course, FA Cup action coming to Priestfield tomorrow. We have recently announced today, as you would have seen, a brand new partnership with uh, Balville, who also sponsored Jill. So we're very excited about that. Thank you to everyone for their support and uh, dedication to listening to these podcasts, which has made made that possible. I know people have uh, wondered if things are going to change. No, they're not. We're not going to be more corporate. If we're great, I'm going to say we're great. If we're shit, I'm going to say we're shit. That's the way it is. And it's always the way it's going to be. I'm sure no one will mind me saying that. Um, but yeah, very exciting. And uh, thanks to everyone here, uh, everyone here listening, who listens regularly, that we're able to uh, to reach landmarks such as this. So thank you uh, to everyone. It's all thanks to everyone listening, uh, the reason we're able to announce such things. And without you guys listening, we wouldn't be able to... Uh, to reach those markers that I was uh, just talking about. But no, things aren't going to change. They're just going to get better. Um, we're not going to say things differently because of the sponsorship. If, As I said, if we're rubbish, I'll say we're rubbish. If we're great, I'll say we're great. That's the way it is. The modern life of a football fan, eh? But anyway, on to the pressing matters of this weekend. Jules, host, uh, relegation-threatened Sheffield United, bottom of the Premier League at this moment in time. Chris Wilder has returned uh, to Sheffield for another stint following uh, the dismissal of... Um, uh, Heckingbottom early on this season, um, a run of games which obviously hasn't been particularly good for Sheffield United, it's fair to say. We all remember watching that 8-0 drubbing uh, Bramwell Lane that Newcastle dished out. Um, the last game, obviously, a 2-0 defeat for Man City, which you know we can't really compare ourselves with, I suppose. I suppose at least we won our game against Colchester, but um, I'm sure if we uh, we played Man City, we might have conceded just more than just the two. But um, you never know, give yourself optimism. Um, yeah. It's always a good feeling when um when the FA Cup comes around to Priestfield and um it always uh sorry but it always gives room for optimism that um you know we could we could be seeing a special afternoon uh at Priestfield ones we've seen before obviously people further back uh, than me remember the Nicky Southall goal against um Sheffield Wednesday those of those of you again older than me remember. Uh, the game at Highbury against Arsenal 2-2 and then uh, they brought on Henri and Burkamp and won 5-2 such is the way um, and yeah obviously <clears throat> more recent years obviously we had the close encounter with uh, Leicester which was Brad and Shannon and uh, Lakeland's first uh, trip to Priestville for a game we uh, just missed out on that 1-1-0 because and that showed a goal scorer against uh, a rele- relegating for team we obviously ended up going down that year in Leicester and the team which we had which you know we've got a much better side now let's put it that way and um yeah, of course, the uh, the Cardiff game uh, a few years ago, which is quite reminiscent of uh, the game we have coming up, actually, if you think about it. A team threatened by relegation. Neil Warnock's Cardiff team didn't really give too much of uh, an indication they were that focused on the FA Cup that time in 2018, maybe 19, I want to say. And we took full advantage uh, of that game and edit this score in the winner. And it was a, a great day at Priestfield for everyone uh, there. So we can only hope that we are going to see uh, a repeat. Uh, Matt is with us, but I'm going to bring in... Uh, the Red Heart for Sheffield first to get their perspective. Obviously, um, everyone who's aware, we um, we tweeted a video uh, onto our channel the other day. Uh, myself, I had a little interview with them on their YouTube channel. It's uh, down on our page. You can figure it. Um, you can go and find that and uh, watch it. We spoke from a dual perspective about what to expect and uh, our names and players who are going to be a danger and what I expect from the game. But um, now it's time to, to put the shoe on the other foot. Uh, Red Heart for Sheffield, thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, I know there's two of you who run the page, so which one am I speaking to tonight? It's You're speaking with Chad. How's it going, everybody? Ah, well, Chad. Thanks for having us. Same guy I spoke to the other day. Perfect. Easy. Yeah, yeah so we spoke um, on your on your channel. Everyone, obviously, go and check that video out about the, the Jewel's point of view and uh, 
you spoke to me a little bit about um, how you weren't overly confident about this game, but we sort of both identified that on the day. If you bring your A game with the team with the team that you have and the players that you have, it should be a Sheffield United win. But I'm, I suppose from your point of view, is is this game something you look at as as a welcome distraction from the league, or do you see it as maybe? maybe getting in the way a little bit of, of what is the main ambition, which is to uh, to survive? Or have you already, um, I think I know the answer is the final one I'm about to say from what you said the other day, have you already sort of accepted that the fate is probably the championship next year and that gives you even more reason to try and go as far as you can in the cup? Yeah, I think it boils down to we're already relegated. We're already down. Uh, if there's anybody that is a Sheffield United supporter around the world and they still believe that we are... Uh, have have any chance of staying up in this god awful league that trust me everybody that's listening right now you guys do not want to be anywhere near this league it is so corrupt um but no i i think as you said in the build up on our day yeah we, we could probably win this you know by two to three goals and they'll i just don't think so um, that's just me being the all the time pessimist. Um, we could have won 15 games in a row and then we get drawn against Jills in, in the third round of the FA cup. And I'm like, Oh, here we go with the cup, FA cup upset. You'll take us out and, um, we'll be all over the front page papers as we were when we played that godforsaken team in Wrexham last year. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, because in the Premier League, you don't play, you don't play very often. It's it's you play every every seven days. It seems like it's not it's not like playing in the EFL where you play every three or four days. So we don't have a game after tomorrow for another fourteen days. So I don't understand why Sheffield United wouldn't roll out our our best lineup in in our strongest team, albeit you know probably a middle to bottom half championship side at best this year. Um, so maybe we're looking for something to jumpstart our season and, it, you know, going into it, we don't have anything to lose. I'd like us to go a couple of rounds in the FA cup. Cause if, if we do have a much changed squad and we don't go with a full strong 11, uh, then it gives us a time to get a few of the youngsters and a few of the names that aren't on the team sheet every single week into the side and get a little bit of their development further along. So it'll just depend on what tomorrow, what side Wilder wants to, to put out. Does the brand new boy, Brereton Diaz, does he get his first start and miss 17 centers in front of goal? Probably. And then we wonder why we signed him and he can't even score if, if his life depended on it. So I'm really I'm excited that the FA Cup third round is here because tomorrow is is my favorite day over in the States. We get to watch every game, and believe me, I'm leaving for the bar at 7.30 in the morning to watch the Tyne Weir Derby, and it will probably be another five hours of just nonstop footy, culminating hopefully a Sheffield United victory over Gillingham with some celebratory pints. I suppose it's always a bit, <clears throat> excuse me, it's always a bit different depending on where your team is in, in this sort of competition. Because obviously for us, it's you know a chance to beat a Premier League team, and then you know obviously for a club like us, the dream is always to draw an Arsenal, a, a Man United, a Chelsea, who Liverpool, whatever. But for you, it's always like 
It must be like, well, there's no caveat in drawing any of those scenes. If anything, you want to desperately avoid it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent. Um what what would you say the the feeling of the supporters going into tomorrow, since the game is at Priestfield, not Bramble Lane? Do you would you guys say that that the supporters are up and it's gonna be a packed out Priestfield? Because I saw online that that Jills were making half and half scars for the big event. I mean, it's who knows if if you beat us, you might get drawn, you know, Man City or Man United at Priestfield. That's probably something you guys dream of. I mean, what what's what's it like less than twenty four hours from uh, from the match? How are you guys feeling? Um, <clears throat> half and half scarves. Um. Not my cup of tea. I know Brad's listening. I apologise, Brad, but uh, I'm sure you've done well on the sales anyway, but not for me. Um, just because if we were playing a Man United or a Tottenham, uh, well, I say Tottenham because I'm just watching them and they've just scored. Um, or, you know, with all due respect, one of the big six in the Premier League, then I'd understand it a bit more. But, we, you know, we were playing Sheffield United five or six years ago in the league, so it's not really that uh, big uh, golden ticket tie with all due respect. But from our point of view, I, I think we're just looking at it from... A perspective of we've obviously got nothing to lose um if we put in a good performance and we just miss out i think people will still be happy with it but i also think there is optimism that we can win the game because as i was saying to you on your uh video the other day i think the ball's really in our in, in your court more so than ours because the pressure's all on you to get the result we're not you know going out there tomorrow expecting to win but i think the longer it stays nil-nil, or if we get a goal, the longer it stays one-nil, I think the mentality of Sheffield United will then dictate, uh, to be honest, because I think it'll be a case of whether they think we need to get back into this game to avoid you know, an embarrassment, or whether they start to think, well, we're one-nil down, we're in a relegation battle, do we really need a replay at Bramble Lane, another game which we won't need? And to be honest, I Probably be the same for us with our ambitions of getting the playoffs. I don't think a midweek game in Sheffield would really do us any favours either. So, um, I think, I'm quite optimistic about it because, again, it just reminds me so much of a Cardiff game and it's such a, you know, more or less the same tie, to be honest, in terms of what was happening at the time with them and where we were and, you know, how much they needed to stay in the Premier League. And you could see that in their performance in comparison to us who just went for it and got the win because we had nothing to lose. But, I'm going to put that question uh, to Matt now because I'm going to bring him in. Uh, Matt, I'm sure you had the question that was asked. Let's get your take on it. We're going to win 7-0. No, um, no, we're not playing Man United, are we? Uh, right, no. From from my own personal perspective, if this game was being shown on TV, that I think Sheffield United would turn up and they would turn us over. The fact it's not being shown live on TV massively takes the pressure even more off us as being the underdogs. And I do feel this is a perfect opportunity to turn a Premier League team over. The stats, I know I've seen stats that said like the last 11 of, sorry, the last, out of the last 11 Premier League teams we've played, we've only, we've lost uh, nine of them, you know, we've uh, only won two of them. But look, no offence to any Sheffield United fan or at all, but your team are struggling at the bottom of the league do you really want a cup run to, you know, to, or would you prefer a chance to stay in the Premier League? I think most Sheffield United fans would prefer that chance to stay in the Premier League. So are you going to put your strongest players out on the pitch at a League Two team with the risk of potentially injuring them? Or are you going to, you know, give your 18, 19 year olds a chance? 
I, I think that's probably what would happen if they win. Then great, yeah, they'll go on to round four. But against the dual team, I don't see them bringing down all their big guns. They might bring if um, Diaz is. Um, if he passes international clearance, yes, he might come down and they might bring him on and, you know, if we're winning 1-0 or something. But again, are they going to want to risk him when his first game in the FA Cup third round? I can't see it. But I can see our boys turning up tomorrow. We all know we're defensively we're pretty solid. If we can put the ball in the back of the net and play with the freedom that we played and have 55-plus odd shots that we've had, have those kind of shots that we've had in the last uh, three games, at 55 or whatever it is in the last three games, who's not to say the ball's going to fall in the back of the net and be lucky for us? And I, I really do feel confident. It's, you know, if we were playing one of the big boys, I wouldn't be. But I said, no offence to any Sheffield United fans, you're bottom in the Premier League for a reason. If we can turn up with confidence... We can do a job. Yeah, I think we certainly can. So, Noah, uh, we'll bring you in the other half of the red half of Sheffield. Um, on the point um, that, that we were making about it depends on the mindset of Sheffield United, how Chris Wilder attacks the game, what, he, what his mindset might change depending on the score throughout the game and the sort of team you might play. What, what do you think Chris Wilder's going to go for in terms of an 11 mm-hmm. in this game? Is he going to be someone who's going to look to give you for chance in a game like this or is he thinking business first put out the best possible team we can and then if we are in a position where we're comfortable maybe then it's the time to, to give people debuts or give get young players some action yeah I, I think it's more of the uh latter rather than the former i i kind of agree with what chad had stated i think we are going to put out a very strong 11 considering that we don't have a game for uh, two weeks. I mean, of course, unless um, we play to a, a, a draw tomorrow. But um, yeah, I, I, I do think that we're going to see a relatively strong team. I think either Cameron Archer or Ollie McBurney will probably get the start. And I do think we will see Ber- Berriton Diaz uh, tomorrow. Um, uh, that being said, if, you know, he clears uh, everything that he needs to clear in, or- in order to play, um, I think our back line will probably be that of Jack Robinson and Anel Ahmed Hodzic, um, and we'll likely see a, a Bogle um, uh, playing right right back. And um, I'm not sure who we're going to put it left at left back, um, we might see Reese Norrington Davies if he's got 60 in him. I, I certainly hope that he's got 60 in him. He's just got gotten back from injury, um, and he played probably the better part of seven minutes against City um, last weekend. So uh, I do foresee a relatively strong team. That being said, I can see a lot of youngsters on the bench, um, Wilder, probably wanting to blood them um, in a tie like this where, you know, I and I, I do want to say I disagree a little bit with the point that Matt was making with respect to, um, you know, our focusing on the league. I mean, Chad and I have said for probably two months, we're, we're probably going down this season. So um, and, you know, obviously the, the table shows that. So. Um, I, I think this is something to play for. And look, we had a cup run in us last year, and I, I think we're going to want another cup run this year. That being said, it's going to be a fantastic game. I don't see this as, you know, a game that the neutrals will not want to tune into just because um, I think you'll be up for it. But I think we will be as well. Well, yeah, you say, you say it's one people won't want to not tune into. I know you're, you're obviously in the States, but for some context in the UK, we get given... Um, 
I think it's six, maybe maybe seven live games from the third round. And uh, uh, some of them had expected one. So you've got uh, Wigan v Man United on Monday. You've obviously got Arsenal-Liverpool and the time we're Derby. But um, yeah, the TV channels in the UK decided they wanted to go with uh, Crystal Palace nil, whether it's a nil over the prospects of a League 2 team versus a uh, Premier League one. So that's uh, the cards we've been dealt, unfortunately. But regardless, if you're at the ground, it's not going to matter anyway. Um, yeah, I, I suppose... No, I'm quite a, an avid watcher of uh, the league, obviously, as people will know. Um, and I've watched a lot of Villarreal. Um, ben Bruton Diaz, he didn't score a goal over there. He got um, one goal, which was quite badly ruled out for offside, I must admit. Um, or for foul, sorry, by VAR when it was very, very soft. But he's someone who, in English football, the Championship especially, he's shown that he's a very good calibre striker. He's someone who knows where the net is. He's got a, he's got goals for Chile since his um, call-up with them. And... Uh, I think he's, he's someone who, if he is at our clearance, is also going to give us a massive problem. Cameron Archer, obviously, we know that in what's been quite a poor season for Sheffield United, he has been a shining light at times. He got the goal at Villa Park, uh, must have been two weeks ago now. Obviously, he scored against uh, Everton, I remember, as well. And just with sort of some of the individuals in that team who are good players, why, why do you think this season it's gone as bad as it is because it's not just the fact that you're bottom of the table it's you know the points tally some of the manner of the defeats you've had um it just seems it's same with same with burnley to a degree really because burnley who obviously won the championship last year looked to be the pick of the three teams coming up to do the best vincent company like he is a great young manager who's going to bring good things to burnley it's not really worked out particularly well for them Luton are the team who have done the best out of the three but from your perspective in Sheffield United, obviously, like us, you've had a managerial change. But what, what do you think has been the catalyst for it going, uh, going so so drastically wrong so far this year? Well, obviously, we we've sold our two best players in the summer transfer window, um, in Illaman and Jaye and Sander Berge, and uh, the, well, the two- I thought no was going to talk there. My bad. Um, I just think it's the golfing class between the championship. And I think the the gap between the Premier League and the Championship is the farthest it has been in a long, long time. And it's only getting wider. And so when we when we popped the champagne on, on promotion last year, the next podcast we did, I said, well, we got 38 free hits next year. We're probably going to lose a good majority of them. Here we are 19 games into the season. It's night. And, and we've won one game. It's it's not like any I expected anything different. It's unfortunate that Heckingbottom got sacked. Yes, that that probably boiled down to the bums of players that he recruited over the summer. So it didn't it didn't necessarily fall in his favor because some of the players that we have are just absolutely terrible, and I. I don't even think they'd probably get into your side, not let alone in our side. Um, so we're, we're dealt the, the players we have now. And it, now we, we, we brought Wilder back in, back in to think like, hey, he's going to be our savior. He's not going to be our savior. We had four or five games where we were up on a new manager balance, if you can consider that. And now we're back to being where we rightfully should be, propping up the table with the worst side in the league. So 
we're going to limp along, limp along, limp along, probably be relegated by the last week in February, and everybody, oh, ho, ho, what are we going to do? But we gave Wilder an 18-month contract. That's to get him into the summer to buy a whole new squad. I think we've got 11 players or 14 players out of contract next year. So we're going to have to rebuild an entire new squad in the championship. It's just it, – it's it's compiling but on us, but we couldn't afford to not get promoted last season. Because if, if we didn't get promoted, we would have no money. We'd probably be battling Sheffield Wednesday um, for the bottom of the, the championship, albeit Rotherham is bottom. So it's it's an unfortunate situation because it's like – you get all you 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 are excited to get promoted, but then when you get in here and you start and you have absolutely no chance in any of these games, it it you really it really sucks. It really sucks, and there's nothing we can do about it because we're not going to be able to change. We could bring in seven or eight players in the transfer window in January, and probably still wouldn't change the fate of this team. We're terrible. We suck. We're shit. We're always going to be shit. I can't wait until the final whistle goes the first week in May, so we get back into the EFL. <clears throat> yeah, because I, I remember uh, when Sheffield United first came out a few years ago. Because obviously, I remember the the game that got him promoted just because John Egan scored the the winner, and he's a former Jules player. Was with us up until twenty sixteen, perhaps when he when he joined Brentford. Before I joined you, we were very big fans of John Egan, fantastic player at the Jules. Obviously, he's uh, not going to be there tomorrow. He's injured, but um, obviously, he went up that year. You had that tenth place finish. There was questions about whether you were going to be able to get into Europe. That was in the COVID season um, when David McGoldrick was there. So it's not County now, of course, in our league. And a team that was really exciting to watch. Um, John Ludstrom in the midfield. Uh, just a couple of players I can think of off the top of my head. And then obviously the second season after that, you went down. And then it's it's been another promotion, but another Premier League uh, season where it's, it's just not going to... Not going to look like it's going to work out. But um, yeah, Matt, we'll bring you back in in terms of uh, Jules. Um how do you think Stephen Clements will go about approaching this game? Because obviously it is a free hit for us. We're on the back of two wins, albeit uh, marginally, but no one will care about that as long as we get the wins, which we did. Um, do you foresee many changes from the team that bait Colchester into this game? Because obviously we don't have any uh, don't have any new uh, new additions yet, so it's going to be the same set of players. I think Johnny Williams, judging by the fact that he did an interview with, I think ITV it was, or maybe even uh, that newspaper we don't speak of. Um, I think he, judging by the fact he's done that, should be available. I don't see why he'd be doing press if he wasn't available for the game. But with that in mind, do you, do you foresee any any changes from Stephen, or do you think he's going to go with the same sort of same sort of plan that he did in the Charlton game, and maybe a couple of alterations, perhaps? I, I think he he is actually going to probably match because he uh, the, the Sheffield United plays sort of a, I believe sort of a similar formation to us with sort of wing backs. So I think. Clements will match up with wing backs. Um, I, I can see a few changes potentially. Um, Jaden Clark coming in just again because of his pace and his attacking threat going forward. If Johnny Williams is fit, I, I'd have him in the starting lineup. Uh, obviously, yeah, I'd love to have you know Conor Mahoney in the starting lineup and Scott Malone for their experience. Um, I, I could even potentially see a surprise recall for Sean Williams on the bench um, again just for that leadership experience if we're one nil up with a few minutes to go you know and, and we're under the cosh he's a great experienced player to potentially bring on um but in terms of man- mentality 
you know, that he, he's going to understand that Sheffield United are going to have a lot of the ball, but when we've got the ball, it's what we do with it. And I think he's going to have to drill that into the players that getting forward and, and actually taking your chances. It's great that we've had 50-odd chances in three or three games or whatever it is, but we've got to be converting them. And that that's that's the key thing. And yes, we all have all been crying out for the January transfer window and that nothing's going to happen anytime soon. These all take long processes to get these strikers in, but we have got good strikers at our club. They just need confidence and getting a goal against a Premier League team. Well, what more confidence could you have than that? Yeah, I think, I think as, as we've said a lot uh, so far on this podcast, that we the main thing is for me, we don't have anything to lose and we can afford to be a bit braver in these type of games. You know, the Charlton game, albeit only one division above us and given their form, not really much between us at all here. They, um, we took that game by a scruff on the neck. We had a game plan just to go out and attack them and put the put the game to them and we had the game basically won within half an hour against a team in the league above us. So, very good, calm and efficient display that day and, I think if we play anywhere near that level, we'll be a, we'll need to be a little bit better given the opposition, of course. And, and I think we we do have a real chance. Um, I'll ask you, Noah and uh, Chad, uh, if you can come up with a first eleven between you that you think um, that you think Chris Wilder is going to go with tomorrow. Well, I think we would ha- we'll probably. As Noah was saying, I'd go similar to his lineup. And Noah, you, you can ramble it off for for the people that are listening. But I, I think you're probably spot on on how we're gonna how we're gonna show out tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, the way I see it, can can you hear me? By the way, yeah, well, good. Okay, fantastic. Um, so I do think West Bottom. Uh, I think we will we'll go with West at the back, Austin yeah. Trusty and NL Ahmed. Hodzic probably is our center backs. Uh, Jaden Bogle on the right. I'll gamble and say Reese Norrington Davis gets the start on the left. And then I will go, oh, man, who do I go in midfield? Vinny Souza. Yeah, Vinny Souza. Um, Ollie Norwood. Oh man, this is gonna be tough here. Because you could, we could, we could put Gus Hamer in there, uh, James McAtee, the likes of. Um, then you'll you'll obviously up front you'll have probably Cameron Archer, maybe paired with Willis Sula. I would say. Um, you could ha- also have Cameron Archer and Ollie McBurney, who have featured together up front um, with probably McAtee or Hamer tucked in behind, as I alluded to. That would be our strongest side. We featured Andre Brooks, who are who is one of our youth academy players over the last probably month and a half. He's been in the midfield. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Femi Sariki got a, a, a little cameo in defense. Um Willisua might start up front on his own. He he's a, a youthful striker that I think we're hampering his talents by keeping him at Sheffield United because he's nowhere near the Premier League. He needs to be either I'd say top end 
League One, bottom half of, I mean, I'm saying bottom, bottom half of, of championship to get a little bit of experience. We're hampering his growth. So it's it's almost a crapshoot being this close to what side Wilder is going to put out. But I, I'm i almost kind of inclined to agree with Noah, as he said earlier, a, strong, a stronger United side because we don't have that game for, for two weeks. So, I mean, it almost makes sense. Why not roll out the, the strongest side and see if we can put together a uh, little bit of a cup run? Yeah, still on paper, you look at it, and it's a very strong team. Um, probably, I don't, I don't know if it's a better team on paper than the one that Southampton put out against us in the League Cup. We we played them uh, in the first round of the Carabao Cup, and we uh, we beat them 3-1. We're 3-0 up, up until the 90th minute, and they got a consolation, but as a team that included... Uh, a lot of big hitters for for Southampton, and we we put them to the sword, knocked out, and uh, knocked out in the following round away at Luton, losing that one three two. So our games against Premier League teams or just gone Premier League teams this season have been a uh, bit efficient, which gives me uh, reason for optimism. And, and we scored goals in them. You know, we scored six goals against uh, a just relegated Premier League side and a Premier League side this season altogether, which is more than we've scored against a lot of teams this year. So um, you know, I think we've only scored more than three in the league game once. So. That says well, you need to know. Maybe, maybe against Premier League opposition, we're for some reason prolific. Um, Matt, let's get um, your perspective on what you think the Jewels eleven will be. Um, so yeah, I was having to think about this uh, the other day. I think it's going to be Jake Turner in goal. I think you're going to potentially have the same back three that we've seen: Connor, Ma- uh, Connor, uh, Connor Masterson, sorry, uh, Max Amar, and. Um, Chad Oji. Uh, I think you'll see Ethan Coleman uh, potentially in the holding midfield role. I would go with then uh, uh, either side of Ethan Coleman. I would have uh, Scott Malone and Jalen Clark. Uh, I would then go basically sort of uh, almost a diamond at the top with um, Johnny Williams, uh, Connor Mahoney and Ollie Hawkins. Um and just basically utilise the the Jaden Clark and, and um, Scott Malone getting down the wings and, and helping that that front three at the uh, at the top end of the pitch because again I think we've got that freedom I, I can't see that back that back uh, fourth of the uh, Jake Turner Shad um, Connor and Max breaking up anytime soon they've been superb our our defence our defensive record is is brilliant and I, I just feel that if we can keep them out. The issue is we've got to get goals at the top end of the pitch, but I just feel I feel that will come with confidence. And if I, you know, I think if Ollie Hawkins can get a goal, especially against Premier League teams, I think he'll be a, be putting them back in the net soon. But yeah, I, I think it will be a sort of very sort of similar lineup in terms of defensively. But yeah, going forward, I think he might just mix it up a little bit in the top end. I think it's certainly a team that's going to be capable of winning the game. But as we said already, if Sheffield United turn up with a game plan that shows that they're taking it seriously and they want to win the game, we might just miss out. But my prediction for the game is, is leading on uh, the former rather than the latter. Uh, before we uh, let you all go tonight, um, Noah and, um, and Chad, if we can get your score predictions for tomorrow and then we'll let you go. I want an absolute belter. I want like 4-3. I don't want this 1-0 BS. I would much rather you take it to us and we take it to you and it's just whoever comes out on the top and whoever gets the last goal. I don't want to watch a game where it's watching paint dry. Um, I'm not one for the particulars of the boring matches, so I 
I'll go as bad as I, and I'm oh, and I'm going to change this from our our score predictions because I believe I had Jill's winning one nil or two one. I think it's going to go three three. As far as I'm concerned, um, I think it's going to be a, a tight one. I think it'll probably wind up two one to United. Free, free to tell you what, uh, Matt. What about you? Well, you know, I, I would love a seven-goal thriller. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love a four-three in Jill's favour, of course, but that would rely on us putting the ball in the back of the net four times in the one game. And I'll be honest, I don't see that happening. But I tell you what, I do see happening. I, I think it is going to be a really entertaining game, and I can see it. And I, I, I generally believe there's only going to be a goal in it. And I think if Jules can nick that goal, I think it's our game to win. So I'm going one nil to Jules, but either way, I think it's still going to be an entertaining game tomorrow. I've got a hen heart prediction, I suppose you'd call it. Um, my head says, and neither of them are us to lose. Funny enough, I'm, I'm quietly confident. My head says it's going to be a one-one draw, which I don't think favours either of us. To be honest, I know for us it's you know, an opportunity if you'd like to go to a Premier League team, but, you know, we've been there quite a few times in recent years and it's another game and same for you with, with fighting the relegation to the Premier League, it's another game you don't really want. Um, I, I'm going to go for 1-0 victory for Jules. I, I do think that, you know, we've, as I said to you, Chad, on our uh, episode the other day, we win a lot of games 1-0. We held the record for it at the start of the season. It's sort of what we do. Our last two games have been 1-0 victories. We are... Uh, we're very good at getting the first goal. It's when we concede the first goal. That's when it, it seems to become quite a problem. Um, if we get the first goal, I've, I think we will win. Uh, just defensive solidity, we've been quite good at this year. And I think, it, again, like I said earlier, if, if we get the first goal, the longer it stays 1-0, I think the mindset of Sheffield United and Chris Wilder might change to do we really want to ha- fight to get a replay in, a game, in another game we don't really need. And I think, I think we'll win it 1-0. And I think the worst result for us is probably a replay, to be honest, um, because it's, a, it's another game no one would really want. Um, but, uh, yeah, one one last question for both of you chaps. Um, this is uh, quite an interesting one that's been sent in um, from someone listening. So, given you're, you're both American, how did you come about to supporting Sheffield United? The question both of us get asked, and I'll, if, if Noah's listening, I'll let, him, I'll let him tell his part of the story before I do. So I I personally um, have been following the club for about 16 years well, now. I guess that was Mike's not working or he's, or he's having a... He, uh, he is speaking. I don't think you can hear him. Ah, okay. Oh, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you know when uh, he's, he's finished his bit. Okay. So I was working at a summer camp in Massachusetts and my co-counselor was a lad from Sheffield and, um, you know, he asked me if I watched footy and, you know, well, I mean, we were Galaxy season ticket holders for MLS when I was a, a kid. Um, but I hadn't really supported a, a team in the Prem um, or in the EFL for that matter. And uh, United had just gone down, um, you know, during that 07 season. Uh, and he showed me on like a very early version of YouTube, uh, the fans singing the Gracie Chip Buddy song. And uh, I have been a, a supporter ever since. Do because I, I, I know uh, some Premier League teams do. You know, obviously in the states, the big six have you know massive followings as you expect. But I saw during the summer they did the uh, 
the summer series, didn't they? And they had, I think Chelsea were like the lead team of it, and then they had a uh, for the um, Palace maybe in Brentford, I don't know. But Sheffield United, the team that go to the states sometimes in in pre season tours, or um, how often do you get to what I've seen? Obviously, in your photo, you've been to Bramall Lane, you've seen them there. But do you get the opportunity to see them in America sometimes over pre season, or are they not a team that go over to never, <laughs> never, <laughs> never? No, it's it's never happened. Um, and you know, with the Galaxy having signed Billy Sharp um, uh, this past season. I was like, oh, well, there's that connection now. So maybe, you know, they'll come over uh, this next summer and do a little American tour. But um, with how it was left with Billy Sharp and Galaxy, um, you know, that connection is sort of lost now. So uh, I don't foresee it anytime soon unless somehow we get a new owner in and that in and that owner is a not a charlatan and b an American, um, you know, then it might happen would be brilliant it would be absolutely brilliant if that happened in in the next couple of years yeah i know what you mean american owners are awful don't they? i'm glad we don't have one um but, <laughs> chad, chad give us your story of um of, of how you came to sports Shepherd united mine is quick and simple uh i when they in the early days of them them showing premier league football over here the only only league I could see on Saturdays was was the Premier League. I started supporting Chelsea. I got sick and tired of their monopolization of America over here. So about 2015, uh, I picked up little old United Rock Bottom League One. Went on to a 100-point season, won the league. Uh, followed Wilder through his journey, and then... Um, I've just followed them ever since, and uh, me and Noah has, has started this podcast about three years ago, and yeah, it's probably for everybody in the chat uh, or listening to this, they're like, two Americans, they ain't got no damn clue about any uh, football, but yeah, I think we're pretty bright for uh, being supporters of a not the top 20 team in England, even though we are in the top league, but uh, yeah, it's it's as I tell more of my friends that want to get involved and want to support a team, I say don't pick any team in the top 20 teams in the Prem. I said I'll get a wheel and I'll spin it with the other 72 teams in the EFL and we'll throw a dart at the dartboard and that's the team you'll that's the team you'll support. It's no fun to support a team that wins every single week. It's fun to have substance to your season and lose seven on the bounce and then win four on the spin. And then, you know, you ride the roller coaster up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And it's, it's a never ending journey and it never, it never stops. And yeah, we suck this year. We're going to go back down to the championship and we're going to have a blast next year. And we might, who knows, we might get relegated to league one who gives a damn, but as long as we're not in this premier league BS, I'll be glad. Because I never want to play in this league ever again. Yeah, if that dart landed on Gillingham, we could have been having a completely different uh, conversation uh, this afternoon. I know for a fact that uh, you're not a fan of uh, Wrexham from what we spoke about the other day. So I hope uh, at least maybe there's a shining light in your season that even if Shiftshire United go down, Wrexham might not get promoted. But unfortunately, I don't see that being the case. But um, Matt, you've got your hand up just to finish us off. I was just going to say, I've got to say, you guys are amazing i love what you do i've watched what you do and you're even better because first off 
you don't call it soccer, you call it football. And that is what it's all about. It's football, man. You're Americans, you call it football. That's the best thing in the world. I, guys, you have my full respect. And I love your show. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. It really means a lot. Uh, just to just to finish us off, um, what what do you two think of uh, American owners in in the UK, and specifically, what do you think of uh, that Brad Gallenson fellow? I've heard I've heard I've heard really bad things about him. I'm not sure he is 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 a great owner. To be honest, what do you think, Brad? Brad, put your fingers in your ears. Don't give it away. I mean, it, some are good. It's. It's that, uh, what does that mean? Sometimes good, sometimes maybe shit. Sometimes good, sometimes maybe shit. I, I mean, it's, it's a coin toss. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say about American owners. If you get in with the right mindset, you can be very successful. But if you look at the likes of Chelsea with Todd Bowley, comes in and spends $1.2 billion on a team that's 11th or 10th in the league, there's, I mean, he's clearly trying to impose the American sports model on the UK sports model in, in football, and it's not going to work. You have a plan, and you establish it the right way and go about it the right way, you'll be successful. But if you, if you notice a lot of the American owners, they do these – the only time you ever hear consortium is in football – they do these consortiums where there's like 15 different people that own the own the club or buy a majority stake in the club, and it 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 almost shines a brighter, better light on them because they're not necessarily in charge because all the big famous athletes over here they have to get a stake in in some of these clubs. Oh, JJ Watt at Burnley, LeBron James at Liverpool, so on and so forth. Even even Tom Brady getting Birmingham City now. It's like oh, we've we've got to get. They're not they're not owners, but they're majority majority minority stakeholders. So I, you just have to get a plan in place, and you just you can't you can't just throw a lot of money at it. Hope hope and pray overnight it's gonna it's gonna blossom something successful because it won't. Uh, are you two aware that our, our owner is American? He's listening to this currently. That's why we put it up. Hey, that's fine. That's why I said sometimes shit, sometimes maybe good. If he's if he has you guys on the right track to where you're going, you will be successful. He just no, he has most, to have. He most he certainly just, does. He, most he just certainly has does. to have uh, a plan. I, th- I think. I think the key thing with look with. with and again, this is not, I'm not trying to big anyone up here, but when any chairman buys, a, or anyone wants to buy a football club, I don't care whether you're American, whether you're from Dubai or, or whatever country you're coming from, it doesn't matter. You have to buy into what that football club is about. And that is the key thing. Now, look, so I'm not trying to blow smoke up Brad's ass trying to say this, but he's bought into joining a football club. And that is why in the last year we have all taken to him. And if you're going to buy a Premier League club, even if you are a multi-billionaire or you, you're the king of whatever country, you need to buy into what that club is about and what that people and what that community is about. And if you do that, that club will become successful whether you're spending, you know, so whether you're winning the Premier League or whether you're getting relegated from the Premier League, it wouldn't matter. That club is still going to be successful 
And that is what football ownership should be all about. Football is for the fans, not for the owner of that club. All right, it seems a good place to end it there. Um, uh, gents, we might be speaking to you tomorrow evening, depending on the result. We'll have to see. Um, thank you very much for coming on. You've both been uh, fantastic. Um, everyone go and check out Chad and Noah's uh, page, The Red Half of Sheffield. The preview that I did with Chad is also available on their YouTube channel. And go check out their content for uh, this game. I'm sure there's going to be a, I'm sure there's going to be a, a video or a podcast of some sort of you in the game as well. Yeah, well, we should have talking. it out next, probably Sunday or Monday. Um, yeah, we're viewing this game. Um, yeah, hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, hopefully we can get you on uh, to do part of our review uh, tomorrow as well. And um, I suppose we'll say we'll end with this. Um, thank you very much for coming on. You've both been fantastic, but I sincerely hope your review or podcast uh, of the game is a very, very tough one for you to do. And we hope the inverse is true. <laughs> well, well, that's football, isn't it? But um, that's the reason we love the game. Uh, thank you both for coming on. Matt is off joining us. We'll be back tomorrow night for a review of the game. Can Sheffield United topple another Premier League side and make it into round four? Or is he going to be back to uh, to League Two duties only after tomorrow afternoon? We certainly hope for the former. We'll find out tomorrow at a sold-out Proust Field. And until next time, up the jewels. Good night, everybody. Thank you.